I'm on right now. I don't believe you. That's not six. One plus two plus two plus one. You really are crazy. Well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Me? No, come on. Don't be crazy. Welcome to Don't Be Crazy, a movie podcast where we delve into the world of cinema and explore what makes films good or bad. I'm your host, Zach Rancourt, and with me as always is Amanda Jane Stern. Hello. Hello, hello. So every week we analyze, discuss, and dissect some of the most popular and critically acclaimed movies of all time. Whether you're a film buff or just a casual moviegoer, our show is sure to provide you with a fresh perspective and thought-provoking insight into the world of cinema. So grab your popcorn, sit back, relax, and enjoy the discussion of the art of filmmaking and discover what truly makes films great. All that we ask is don't be crazy. Amanda, how are you? I'm a little hungover. I'm not going to lie. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I went out last night with a friend for dinner and drinks. And then and she actually had to get up early. So she left at like, I don't know, nine something. And mm-hmm. I was like, I'm just going to stay and have one more drink. But ended up talking to the bartender. And then like it was – by the time I left, it was only other women in the bar and the bartender. And we just all ended up like talking to each other till – one or something in the morning. Oh man! Uh, so, and then I was like, "Oh God, it's getting really late." And also, I want pizza. Um, thankfully, Joe's Pizza by me is open till three a.m. So I like stumbled in there at you know <laughs> whatever it was, makeup smudged, and I and their lighting is of course it's a pizza joint, so the lighting mm-hmm. is so like bright. I see myself in the mirror, and I just like. And sometimes I get weird about like I wear makeup. I do. I'm not right now because I'm at home. Um, but I'm not a heavy makeup person. And I had done, I guess, more lip than I usually do last night. And I see it at like two in the morning. And I'm just like, I look like a drag queen. I don't like this. This doesn't feel like me. <laughs> well, that sounds like a raucous evening. I uh... <laughs> wasn't even raucous. <laughs> it was just like a really, really classy bar to, uh, to just, yeah. So I'm good. But apparently now when I get hungover, um, I'm just really hungry. <laughs> for for pizza. vegetables pizza when i'm drunk but then like the next day it's like vegetables i just want vegetables nice <laughs> i don't know why <laughs> so that's that's where i'm at well i'm glad you made it on the show today and maybe this will <laughs> cure your hangover because we are going to be discussing fast times at ridgemont high from 1982 This movie was famously directed by Amy Heckerlein, who is known for Clueless, Look Who's Talking, and National Lampoon's European Vacation, to name a few. It was written by Mr. Cameron Crowe, and he is responsible for Jerry Maguire, Almost Famous, and Vanilla Sky, also just to name a few. I literally didn't realize until this watch that he was the one who wrote this. Yeah, he also has a cameo. He is uh, at the carnival. Um, he's one of the vendors that talks to the kids when they go on oh. the, the date when Rat and uh, what's her name go on the date? Jennifer Jason Lee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Stacey. Yeah, Stacy. So pretty cool. Uh, the movie stars Sean Penn, Jennifer Jason Lee, Phoebe Cates, Judge Reinhold, Robert Romanus, Brian Backer, Ray Walston, Scott Thompson, and Amanda Weiss. Critically, this movie hails a 7.1 out of 10 on IMDb. 
And on Rotten Tomatoes, 78% uh, of the critics liked this film and 80% of the audience liked this film. Hmm, fascinating. It is showing on Peacock, and that is what I watched it on. But uh, I don't know. you, Amanda, did you watch it on Peacock? Yeah, it's the only thing it's on right now. Hmm, okay. Well, there you go. Estimated budget of $4.5 million. Uh, in the U.S. and Canada, it grossed $27 million. Opening weekend was August 15th, 1982. It made $2.5 million. And then worldwide, uh, pretty similar to that U.S. and Canada figure, probably because they didn't have other numbers. But that is okay. Couple fun facts about this film. The first time director Amy Heckerling said she was seeking to make a comedy that was less structured than conventional ones and more like American Graffiti, that and more like American Graffiti, so that quote, if you woke up and found yourself living in the movie, you'd be happy. I wanted that kind of feel. And I forgot to mention that this is Amy Heckerling's first film, um, big budget film, I should say. Uh, and then she would obviously go on to claim fame to the other films that I was talking about. Mm -hmm. Jennifer Jason Lee's father, Vic Morrow, died in a helicopter accident on the set of Twilight Zone, the movie, about three weeks before the U.S. release of Fast Times. That Wait, is that was terrible. her dad? Yeah, that is terrible. That's horrible. Absolutely terrible. And that movie, the Twilight Zone movie, famously had a few deaths mm -hmm. and a lot of cursed sets. It, just it was, was him and two children. Yes, it was very, very interesting. Yeah, crazy stuff. Um, <clears throat> so, quote Amy Heckerling, I was trying to make sex seem scary and uncomfortable, says Amy Heckerling, regarding her approach to showing Stacy's awkward first time. As with the carrot scene, they weren't aiming to make a salacious TNA comedy. Um, it was really interesting, the uh, deflowering scene, the loss of her virginity, uh, where the camera focuses mm -hmm. on things like on the roof, the graffiti, and I thought that that was a really well done piece because yeah, it's kind she's of not, she's not with it. She's not know? with it. She's she's focusing on on other things around you. And I thought that that it highlighted that very well, even though the scene itself was just somewhat hard to watch, uh, just knowing the age differences and stuff. Um, well, remember, the actress was 20. I know, but it's still I think yes. I, I still think oh, it, it, it is, it's hard, yeah, it it's is. hard to remove myself from that. In, in a movie but it's like not that. supposed to be good. You're not nope. supposed to be thinking that this is good. And then finally, for his masturbation scene, Judge Reinhold bought a brought a large dildo to work with, unbeknownst uh, to the rest of the cast. Phoebe Kate's look of horror and disgust was very real. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Way to go. Good show, old boy. <laughs> All right. Well, if you haven't seen Fast Times at Ridgemont High, skip ahead about five minutes. Here is a spoiler-filled synopsis. In the San Fernando Valley town of Ridgemont, the lives of various teenagers who attend Ridgemont High School intersect. Brad Hamilton, a popular senior, looks forward to his final year of school. He has a job at All-American Burger, his 1960 Buick LeSabre is almost paid for, and he plans to break up with his girlfriend Lisa so he can be completely free for his senior year. His younger sister Stacy, a 15-year-old freshman, works at Perry's Pizza at Ridgemont Mall alongside her older friend Linda Barrett. Stacy dresses to be as sexually experienced as Linda. Their friend, uh, Matt, Mike Damone, is a smooth talker who fancies himself a worldly ladies' man and earns money taking sports bets and scalping concert tickets. Mark Rat Ratner, Damone's shy but amiable best friend, works as an usher at the movie theater across from Perry's Pizza. Lastly, Jeff Spicoli is a carefree stoner and slacker who lives only for surfing and getting high. On the first day of school, Spicoli runs afoul of history teacher Mr. Hand when he shows up late for class. An ongoing battle of wits ensues between the two, with Mr. Hand attempting to get Spicoli to take school seriously. 
At work, Stacy is asked out by 26-year-old stereo salesman Ron Johnson. Stacy agrees to go out with him and lies about her age, claiming she is 19. On their date, she loses her virginity to him in the dugout of a baseball field. Ron sends her flowers the next day, but quickly loses interest in her. Rat meets Stacy in science class and is smitten with her. He takes her to a German restaurant. Afterwards, at Stacy's home, she invites Rat into her bedroom and they begin to kiss, but he nervously leaves before they can proceed further. Stacy mistakenly interprets his shyness as disinterest. Linda advises her to move on and find another boy. Meanwhile, Brad is fired from his job after threatening an obnoxious customer and using profanity. When he realizes he needs Lisa, she confesses she wants to date other guys. Brad gets a new job at Captain Hook Fish and Chips. When Rat and Damone later drop by Stacy's house to join her and Linda in the swimming pool, Stacy becomes infatuated with Damone. One afternoon, she invites him to her home where they have sex in the pool house. Their encounter is cut short when Damone ejaculates early and immediately leaves. After this incident, Damone avoids her. Spicoli accidentally wrecks the 1981 Chevy Camaro of Ridge- Ridgemont star football player Charles Jefferson during a joyride with Jefferson's younger brother. He successfully conceals his role in the d- damage by making it look like the car was destroyed by fans of Ridgemont sports rival Lincoln High School. Brad later rethinks his employment when a beautiful older woman laughs at his pirate-themed uniform while he is making a food delivery. Stacy later confronts Damone to inform him she has gotten pregnant from their one-time encounter. She asks if he can cover half the cost of the abortion and provide her with a ride to the clinic, and he agrees. However, Damone is unable to come up with his half, and he ends up abandoning Stacy on the day of her appointment. Stacy asks Brad to drive her and lies that she is going to a bowling alley to meet friends, but, she see, but he sees her cross the street to the abortion clinic. After the appointment, Brad confides to Stacy that he knows the truth. Stacy makes Brad promise not to tell their parents, but does not divulge who got her pregnant. When Linda finds out about Damone flaking on Stacy while on a field trip held by their teacher, Mr. Vargas, she paints the insult prick on his car and his school locker at, uh, as revenge. Rat angrily confronts Damone about his involvement with Stacy. They get into a fight in the boys' locker room, but the gym teacher breaks up. On the evening of the end of the year school dance, Mr. Han visits Spicoli's house and informs him that he must make up the eight hours of class time he has wasted over the school year. They have a history session that lasts until Mr. Han is satisfied that Spicoli has understood the lesson. Rat makes peace with Damone and resumes his fr- relationship with Stacy. Brad takes a job at a convenience store called Mighty Mart and foils an armed robbery with some help from an oblivious Spicoli who stumbled out of the store's bathroom just in time to distract the robber. A postscript states that Brad was promoted to manager of Mighty Mart. Damone was busted for scalping Ozzy Osbourne tickets and now works at 7-Eleven. Mr. Vargas switched back to coffee. Linda attends college in Riverside and lives with her abnormal psychology professor. Rat and Stacy are in love but are taking their romance slow. Mr. Han thinks everybody is on dope. Spicoli saved Brooke Shields from drowning and blew the reward money hiring rock band Van Halen to play at his birthday party. So can I can I add two fun facts that sure. I just so the scene where Stacy and Damone have sex mm-hmm. was originally supposed to show and they they filmed it this way full frontal male nudity yeah, to I read that. really really highlight that this is an awkward encounter and fumbly but X rating so it got cut to just be what it is now and then the the woman in the car who laughs at Brad that's Nancy Wilson from Heart who. Went uh, on to marry Cameron, Cameron Crowe. Crow. Yeah, yep. there you go. Right on. Good. Love that Nancy Nancy Wilson. Love Hart. That's awesome. I do too. Hart's fucking amazing. Hart's great. He's mm-hmm. a magic man. 
Um, but you know what? You know what's uh, not great is this movie because this movie is chocked full of characters and storylines that are focal points of the film. There's a ton of them. Lots of actors. Nicholas Cage is in this. And Nicholas Coppola, I guess, his first mm-hmm. paid acting role. Yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't. I don't even want to get started on. No, he doesn't. I don't even want to get started on Nicolas Cage because I don't really like him. But um, uh, there were a bunch. There were tons of characters we knew. Eric Stoltz, uh, Anthony Ed- Edwards and stuff. Which... But this was this was like their beginning. That's why they're tiny characters. Oh, they're sure. just Spicoli's buddy. I mean, nobody oh. was famous at the, this time. No, I, I understand that. I just what I mean is like there's tons of characters. Oh, yeah. So I guess which character out of out of our mains and, and whoever else did you find most relatable or interesting and why? Oh, um, the two girls it's i mean stacy the most but also stacy and linda the the amount that linda is posturing and trying to pretend to seem so much more mature and older than she is when she's still she's still a teenager like yes she's a senior and stacy is a freshman but all of all of her silly like she is a kid her advice is terrible because she's a kid but stacy's super relatable like she's She's going through shit and it's awkward and it's fumbly. And when you are a teenager and you're having those first encounters, they're weird. It, it, you don't know what you're doing right off the bat. You're not like, ah, yes, I am a sex god. Thank you. Even her whole thing about her boyfriend in Chicago and, you know, mm-hmm. we never obviously get to meet him throughout the film, but she he doesn't come to her graduation and she writes that letter, you know, we need to treat this as adults, which you can't be. And so she she's still a kid, but she wants to be an adult. Oh, um, yeah. She sure. so thinks she is. And she's not. But I, I totally relate to, to being that way and thinking, like, well, if I phrase it like this, I'm going to sound real mature. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I have any relatable characters in this um i just feel as this movie was it kind of just came and came and went um it also felt like i mean a lot of people like spicoli sure he's funny i I enjoyed Mm -hmm. the the car scene um when he crashes and he's like i can fix it you know oh bummer and then he it's pretty smart of him to put it out in front of the school and say you know kill Ridgemont or whatever they they put all over it to make it seem like lincoln high school did it Mm -hmm. i thought that was a good a good part but he was a caricature, uh, Spicoli. I just the whole oh yeah, man. It, it it felt like Keanu Reeves trying to play a stoner, and it was just odd to me. And I mean, I know that he he was Sean Penn got high for the roles too. Like he was actually smoking <laughs> weed, which is cool in itself. But I mean, I did, I couldn't really relate to any of these characters because I just didn't feel like they had any time to develop. It all just kept kind of seem see like it felt like vignettes of of who mm. of what we were watching, right? And I just couldn't get into it for some reason. But I don't know. And I don't know if that's a knock, if that's necessarily fair. Um, I think I I didn't grow up with this movie. So I think that that probably had a, mm-hmm. a bearing on it. I know I do have friends who like it. And they grew when up was the first time that you saw it? Like when Netflix had DVDs, I, I got it. So probably okay. 19 years old, 20 years old, something okay. like that. I saw it well before. I saw it when I was... I, you know what? I think I was like, oh, I was in middle school when I saw it for the first time. It's like, and, it's a lot. And I, well, so I know the night I watched it and I was over at my dad's apartment. My brother wasn't there. I don't know where he was. And my dad was out. Um, and so I was, I was home alone and this and Animal House were st- streaming on like the free cable movies and 
they were both movies that my dad liked and I texted him and I said, do you think I'd like these? And he goes, yeah, watch them. You'll have a great time. You'll love them. Like, it's a great thing to do tonight when you're just sitting at home. Go for it. Um, so I watched them and I, I must have been 12, maybe 13. No, I doubt I would have even been 13. So maybe like 12. But I was already at a point where um, being in middle school that older men had already started hitting on me. So I think Yikes. I very much so related to yeah. older men hitting on, on Stacey and Linda because that is right around when all of that was starting for me. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh. And I mean, maybe, yeah, it's different, obviously, as a guy. And so I, I never had that happen. But I mean, I'm glad you mentioned Animal House, Animal's House, Porky's, this movie, uh, even Revenge of the Nerds, all problematic in themselves, um, definitely fit into that late 70s, early 80s mold that that there's a certain well, audience for them. I wouldn't say that this is problematic in the same way that those are, because I think this is this this has characters who do problematic things, but it's not glorifying them the way that those movies do. It's not just a sex comedy. It is actually dealing with what are the repercussions here? Why is this not good? We're not saying, oh my God, teenagers are sexy the way those movies are. It's just like, no, no, no. Teenagers are exploring sex and sexuality because that's what they do. But that doesn't mean it's always good or that they need to. Well, I mean, what I was trying to get at was it's just, it fits in that same kind of vein for there are certain people that grow up with those types of movies and they all, it all kind of fits into that uh, neat little box of, yeah, that was just a, a product of the times. Do you know anyone uh, like any of the characters in the movie in real life? Definitely. Who? I don't really know. A you don't Spicoli. have to. You don't have to name names. But no, no. I like. I. I don't really know a Spicoli because you're right. He is. He's a bit of a, a, the stoner caricature, and then like. I know stoners, but they're not that extreme. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've met many a teenage boy like Timon, not scalping tickets but that kind of like i'm a ladies man i know how to talk to the girls not at all totally reminds me of a guy i went to high school with who i'm not going to name because he may just listen to this podcast (laughs) i don't know he reaches out every once in a while so uh one dude you know fuck it thomas it's thomas he's not listening to this who cares um (laughs) totally a demone so and and like the uh his friend rat yeah he's he's like a lot of guys i've met a lot of like dorky jewish new york guys <laughs> yeah i think some of the characters had the same beats in in other films and so it kind of seemed a little predictable we've seen it done before but yeah damone is definitely i mean i i've never met someone who is is just like him i've met pieces of of him where yeah oh this is how you talk to ladies mm-hmm. and you know you got to put on led zeppelin 4 um so on and so forth and you can tell they're 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 fabricating a lot and just trying to talk up their um oh yeah their, their i game. love that when he and stacy do have sex it makes it pretty clear that he has not done this before yep he has yeah. no idea what the fuck he's doing yep he's a five second man so mm-hmm. literally so. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So, but in what ways do you think the that the movie captures the essence of the teenage experience? They're awkward and fumbly, and you feel like everything is super important in this moment, even if it's not. But I also really appreciate how it handles abortion. It it just is. It's just there, which is great to see, in, especially of that time period where 
she gets pregnant and and it never it's not a huge storyline it's not a huge plot point it just happens because that it does happen you know i i know of people in high school i know of a girl in middle school who had an abortion and like it, it became kind of a talk because it was like oh she's having sex in middle school weird um but it wasn't like oh my god she had an abortion it was like oh yeah that's what you do right do you think they should have focused more on maybe the emotional uh, toil or toll it took on her, though? I, I feel like it almost kind of breezed over the fact that she had it, and then she just kind of kept kept on existing. See, that is how a lot of people react to those kinds of like you you don't you don't necessarily process it then and there. You know, it, it, I think that is actually a very accurate way of, of someone coming to terms with something like when they're on that field trip. That is when it is starting to come back to her. Um, but it is also just like, it's a thing I did. Okay, I'm moving on. And I I, hmm. I do appreciate that they did not harp on it so much. And especially it was, this was really early in the pregnancy. Like, mm-hmm. it, this was, yeah, this was like basically first trimester. It was, so she didn't even necessarily have the time to think about pregnant really come to terms with that before she got the abortion. It wasn't like she was, you know, six months along. This is a bigger thing to think about than just like, oh, I missed a period. Well, I guess, and this might be explained, because I think the time jump of the entire year of school was a little weird for me. Um, I couldn't keep track of what was going on, because at first I was like, oh, it must be Ron Johnson's baby, because, you know, she had sex with Ron as well. Um, but I guess it makes more sense if it's, if it was a lot, a lot later, like months had passed and then she hooked mm-hmm. up with Mike Damone and then, you know, uh, four weeks had passed or whatever. And she missed her period. Um, so that would make a little yeah. bit of sense. I think it was a little They're confusing the only though. Two guys she had sex with and, and Ron Johnson was like the beginning of the school year. Right. And then Damone was close to the end. So there would have been no way to. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I felt like they treated that whole thing just kind of awkward. Um, Damone just kind of got away. I mean, to a degree, kind of got away with it. He was he was out, uh, you know, ousted, but like not really. Like he was still at the dance. Um, I I wanted to dislike him, and I don't know. And I I, I was kind of impartial to him. I felt like That's I should have just dis- disliked him a lot more. I, he's I, not a. He's just an idiot. He's not an outright villain. But he's he, unreliable. He's but a he's schmuck. Also, yeah, I mean, he. I guess I. I don't really know what the message was with him. I mean, he. He was a prick. He really was, and I think mm-hmm. that that was the, the clear one to take away from it. But I don't know. I. I, I was. I was kind of hoping there'd be a little more repercussion, um, for his actions, and I guess we didn't really get it. And I. I think that's where it just kind of confused me a little bit, and I. I couldn't really get behind. I'm like, I. I don't know if I really fully agree with this but <laughs> um yeah i mean it, it moved fast and and it was it was interesting <laughs> i don't really know how to just how to explain it any other way of how i felt with it but it was it was odd um but yeah so we, we talked about some of those scenes and and obviously there are a lot of memorable ones in this too i think probably one of the most famous ones is the linda coming out of the pool yes, uh, topless is. scene uh, are there any scenes or lines that you found particularly humorous or maybe thought provoking? Well, I mean, I as I mentioned, I love actually after she has the abortion and she comes out and her brother's standing right there 
because he's figured out like where she was actually going. And yeah, he's just, like sorry, you don't Ramir have to tell me everything, but like I will, I will be here for you. Yeah, that was a nice. That was. A I nice really. Moment. They're a good sibling relationship. You know, a lot of times in in movies you see, especially of this time period, it you see a much more contentious relationship or one sibling is constantly hitting on the other sibling's friends in really creepy ways. Like he is a crush on Linda. He doesn't actually do anything to Linda. You know, he doesn't come on to her. Him masturbating and forgetting to lock the door is an entirely different thing. And also she should not. Um, But like he never does anything. He never puts her in a position where she's like, oh my God, you're saying disgusting sexual things to me the way You've seen a lot of 80s movies. Like, I'm thinking just one of the guys, the younger brother, is consistently sexually harassing his sister's friends. And you're just like, dude, the fuck? You know, or weird science. You have the abusive older brother. Like, I like that they just – they were good siblings. Yeah. And, yeah, you don't really see that very often in movies like this for sure. Iconic scene, Phoebe Cates. Great boobs. Like, excellent. I mean, so there was a a fun trivia – Thing that I read on IMDb that um, that when it came out on VHS would have an issue with like the tracking during that scene because probably because people paused it so much um, at the vi- like when they rented it, saw it at home, paused it and then returned it. So um, pretty funny. It's a um, famous scene. Yeah, I, I think it's it's, you know, after I saw this and I saw Gremlins, I'm like, oh, yeah, Phoebe Cates. <laughs> Just oh, my God. Her speech in Gremlins about role. her dad dying is so goofy. very dark. I, it's, very dark it is, but it's also <laughs> like wait neck. i'm sorry he died trying to come down the chimney playing santa claus what kind of stupid like it's just it, you're not expecting that and it's so it's so macabre that you cannot help but laugh especially like it's gremlins so you're not really it's I, not i feel like that's emotional. the point of it because it's gremlins i feel like that's the point it's so funny yeah it's i mean i I, I, yeah, I feel like that's kind of the, the point of of that. Um, I was trying to. Oh, one thing I noticed: there were no parents in this movie at all. You nope. never see any parents, which is in. I, I mean, it's a purposeful choice. I'm, but I, I'm curious if if uh, Heckerlin just wanted to make it focus on the teenagers. Um, I, I yeah, I don't know That'd the idea be behind guess. it. There are also so many characters already. Sure, but I mean, even I'm I'm not saying they need to like completely focus on on the parents but like hand the phone to them or you know jeff you have you a do, visitor or something you do hear demone's um mom uh, uh on the phone yes yeah she's like he's in the garage so that's the only parent i think you mm-hmm. that's about um, the, the extent of, of of what i remember hearing and seeing yeah yeah that's the only one you never we know that stacy's parents are away Mm-hmm. Um, we don't find out anything about Linda or Rat's parents, but yeah, you hear Damone's mom on the phone. Yeah, I can't really. I mean, I I don't know if I really laughed at much of anything other than the scene where Spicoli has the car in the the basically front of the school and graffitied it, and I'm like, that was a really good plan because then Forrest Whitaker gets all sorts of pissed. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I laughed pro- at the football scene. I, I kind of did. Um, I didn't. It might just because it was dated. It, it was. It seemed slow, and I don't know. The um, the physical comedy just didn't, really didn't do it for me. It, it wasn't really matching up to what I anticipated it to be. 
Um, and that just See, might when, be a product of, of, of the times. I wouldn't call this a laugh out loud funny movie. It, it's a little more like slice of life-y. Clueless is much more. There are big laughs. And I'm a big fan of Clueless. I love Clueless. Mm-hmm. Um, Me too. Which obviously, you know, she does the next in the next decade. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's pretty clear, you know, that I struggled a bit with this one. I just, I couldn't really figure out why I didn't really like it. Um, so I guess, is it, is this just a hangout movie or is it a lot deeper? I mean, what message or lesson, if any, do you think the film is trying to convey? I think it's deeper than a hangout movie. I think, I, I think they're playing with ideas and they really are trying to convey, you know, about the awkwardness of teenage years and especially, I mean, it's called fast times for reason that like everyone is growing up so fast and they feel like everyone else is doing this. So I have to do it, but you don't like, you can slow down. You can still just be a kid. And I think that's really what it, what it's about. Interesting. I don't disagree with that. You just don't love it. I just didn't love it. I I feel like it was just convoluted um, and it was too busy um, it didn't seem to follow rules. I, I didn't really grasp how, how big the school was, uh, what the social network looked like, who was friends with who in that sense. Um, I definitely struggled a bit figuring out what grades different people were in. Yeah. For, like I knew Brad was a senior. I knew Stacy was a freshman. And then there are times where I was like, well, she's in class with this character. So are they also freshmen? Is this a mixed class? Like, is it yeah, multi-grades? Like, What's going on? How old on? is Spicoli? Because Spicoli is in Stacy's class. Mm-hmm. I don't really ever see Linda in any classes. Like, She's th- a senior, so they don't have classes together. But I didn't really know she was a senior until she's the very senior? end. She's a senior. Oh, yeah. And he's and Stacy's a freshman? Oh, because they work together. I think it's also, yeah, they probably grew up in the same neighborhood. So Linda's always been like an older sister to her. But Linda's yeah. the same age as Brad. Huh. And then Damone and Rat are a year older than Stacy. So they're sophomores. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess that might help a little bit with it, but I still, it just kind of seemed, I mean, even like the dance scene at the end, I I was just confused why everyone was at this. If you thought it was like a senior's dance. Yeah. And it (laughs) felt like, it felt like everybody was just kind of all, all things were forgiven and everyone was chummy and, I like, okay, I, I guess that's that's one thing. Um, I just think that the high school movie has been done better in so many different films. And yeah, I don't know. I wanted I wanted some conflict, then I wanted some resolution, but not like that. And I don't really have an example of, of how I would want it to be. And, and albeit for me to tell Amy Heckerling how to direct a film, I mean, obviously this movie's beloved by many people. And you for, wanted bigger set pieces. For Yeah, well, sort of. Um, I mean, not even bigger set pieces. I don't know. I just, I don't really know why, why I didn't like it as much, but, and that kind of leads me to my, to my next question though. It, you know, it, it didn't resonate with me. I think I know why. Um, but I'll answer after you, like, so how has Fast Times at Ridgemont High influenced other films uh, or pop culture? Um, well, okay. It is one of, it is a really early movie to just so simply handle abortion that was huge yeah and that's true that like the way that it it's not the movie's not about abortion there's no it doesn't go into like oh let's talk the morality and the this and the that it's just like this is what a teenage girl would do in this situation mm-hmm. with you know where she lives and how she thinks the 
it's just what you do. And this is like people have been getting abortions for a very long time. It will always happen. And the truth is for a lot of women, it's not this huge conversation. It's just a thing. Nowadays, you fuck up the night before and you can run and buy the plan B pill and you're just like, okay, well, I might be puking today, but okay. You know, and you don't. Right, and you're not sitting and thinking about it all the time. Like, I pop a birth control pill every morning, and it's not something I'm thinking about. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well, it's time. Gonna gonna take it. And so yeah. that, like, that's huge. The way that it it just so simply it, handles it. It is crazy that it's on film, and it's a a, a big budget film or a mainstream mm-hmm. film where you know we're still dealing now with with Roe v. Wade and and stuff like that. Yeah. So people want to eliminate abortions and and remove a, a woman's choice for her own body and which it's will like, not eliminate abortions it will eliminate safe abortions. safe abortions but i it's just this is it's yeah it's groundbreaking for a film like this to do that mm-hmm. and to focus on that so i think that's really that's really great for sure um I think for me, this is just a product of I didn't grow up in 1982, um, so it didn't work with me. And that goes back to what I was saying with like Revenge of the Nerds, Porky's, this Animal House. I can appreciate those movies, and I'm you know there's a specific audience for that, uh, and they grew up around that time. But for me, I just it just didn't work. Well, those um, ones and, and have was, also aged real poorly. Sure, but <laughs> it, it it just. <clears throat> it, I couldn't, I couldn't find myself getting behind or even appreciating because we've done older films on this or even like Eraserhead, which I didn't really like. But at the same time, then I'm like, I really appreciate what it is. This one, I didn't really like and I don't really know if I appreciate it that much. I, yeah, um, I think there's so. there's a pacing style that a lot of movies of that time period have. And it's, it's the late 70s, early 80s. That is, it's different than the pacing we see now and it's also different than the pacing that we'd see in, in even older movies. Because, right, if you watch an old, like, 30s, 40s, 50s, those movies are paced. They are yeah. going. Yeah. And there's this, like, slightly languid pacing to these things that are labeled comedies. And that, to us, is like a, huh. That's why I felt like this was more of a hangout movie. It just kind of didn't go anywhere. I mean, the Mr. Hand stuff was stupid, in my opinion, I liked the character of Mr. Hand, but him going to Spagoli's house, I'm like, what? okay, what? Like, that's not going to happen. I get what you're trying to do, but that, that's just not going to happen. And then it just kind of ends. He's like, okay, I'm satisfied. I was like, well, that's stupid. Because then he still yeah, gets to go I to the dance. I did recall that being bigger. Yeah. Um, and, and then rewatching it, I was like, oh, that's all. Okay. It just... Yeah, it was it was interesting. One thing I did forget to mention that I actually really did like in this movie is the the wonderful establishing shots at the the beginning, the montage basically mm-hmm. of the mall with the we yeah. got the beat on the background. Great needle drops in this. Mm-hmm. Um, Cameron Crowe and Heckerlein are known for excellent needle drops in their films. Yes. Um, but you know, like, great establishing shot showing, you know, obviously the mall is the hub of uh, of, of their teenage social um I guess what, what am I trying to say here? Hierarchy, and yeah. it's it's kind of where everything kind of moves, and and we we get all of our characters characters set up well. We see what they do, um, and yeah, I, I thought it was really well done. So that was a good way to start the movie. Unfortunately, it lost me after that, but um, I really enjoyed that, and I think that that was probably uh, the best part of the film. But I will also say to some of your criticisms, I don't totally not agree with them it's that and i think you're probably right it's i watched it when i was so young so there's something about it that resonates with me sure yeah 
Um, but it's also the kind of movie that I can watch in chapters, if that makes any sense. Like, yeah, I don't I, feel like, yeah, I, I need feel to that. sit and... I, yeah, I feel that. That's why I was saying. They feel like vignettes. Like, like yeah. it's, it's, yeah, you can watch it in chapters. It, it feels very much like if this came on, you wouldn't have to watch it from the start. You'd be like, okay, this is the, that section mm-hmm. of the film that I like or whatever, right? But it definitely feels yeah. like that. Like, I, I definitely, I, I, um, like took a break kind of midway through to go do something else. And I was like, okay, now come back. And and you're not really going to forget anything. You're never, you're not going to be lost or confused. Yeah. Yeah. No, no uh, confusion or being lost, but. But you can really see when you watch Clueless, Amy Heckerling growing as a director and and pulling from some of the same influences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She does have moments too, because obviously she has multiple characters in that share being the main character, but she focuses Mm -hmm. on other storylines too with that. Um, and she just started a trend. She started the the as if quote, mm-hmm. um, just the the style, oh, everything around it. Great needle drops in that movie too. Yeah, Br- Brittany Murphy's Great fantastic color. in that movie. I I just, just love the coloring of that movie. Yeah, and and she does a good job of making. So Cher is not stupid. Cher is yeah. actually quite intelligent. Um, she just has the Valley Girl kind of vibe to mm-hmm. her. Obviously, uh, Spicoli kind of is the same way. He's not. I don't think he's very he's stupid. He's not stupid, no. He's, he's just a stoner, um, and he kind of bests Mr. Hand at times, too. Mm-hmm. He's like, I know you keep saying our time, or your time, but isn't it our time because I'm here, too? Like, he yeah, calls he's out not a stone. Pre- he is a stoner. He is not an idiot. Yeah, he, his plan was excellent, like I said, with the car, with the vehicle. Like, that was mm-hmm. a really good plan, and it worked. <laughs> well, I, I thought that was well done. What I like about her as well, that she'll use these archetypes and then be like, Sure, but also look beyond it that there's more going on with this person. And she takes that even further with um, Brecken Meyer, who's like the stoner archetype character in Clueless. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. He's the guy who ends up with Brittany Murphy. Who, oh, you know, Travis. Cher, yeah. Yeah. Cher completely writes him off like he's a stoner, whatever. But there's also a lot more to him. Yeah. He's a good skater. <laughs> Other than that. <laughs> and he likes he likes McDonald's for the breakfast sandwiches. <laughs> um, that's all I really have discussion points for for Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Um, I'll I mean we can just jump into our hot takes. Um mm-hmm. and I'll I'll start. I mean, I think so I love coming of age films. Um we talked about that last week on Ladybird mm-hmm. and which is available now. And I think though that the best coming of age story that felt the most authentic to me in my lifetime has been super bad. That movie hmm. just hit every beat for me. It came out at the right time of my life and, you know, the formative years of my life. And I had friends just like those characters or we had been in situations just like those characters where we're trying to buy booze or we're trying to go to a party or we're trying to get accepted into the social hierarchy. Um, and so that movie, I felt, did a very good job, uh, except for like the police officers and 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 stuff but i mean they did a very good job of portraying realistic characters mclovin was obviously ridiculous but at the same time i've known people who are pretty similar to mclovin who are just they don't really care about about what people think of them but they're just dorks i went to sleep with a kid who looked just like mclovin and you probably thought the entire time you're like oh my god this is mclovin (laughs) it's like um we called him we called him mclovin 
That's incredible. I love that. Fogel. <laughs> like uh, you couldn't not. <laughs> yeah, you have to. It's it's. It, <laughs> but it, they're they're obviously again the coming of age stories. Like dazed and confused. I didn't grow up in that time. I didn't grow up in this in the seventies in Austin, Texas. But that movie resonated better with me, and I thought it was paced better than Fast Times at Ridgemont High. See, that one does not do anything for me. Yeah. And 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 that one I caught when I was younger. So that's my Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I I, I watched caught that it when, when I, was I was older. Yeah. So it's we just swapped. But mm-hmm. so I, I I think it's there are some that are done better for sure. But I'm not saying that this is like a bad movie. I just didn't like it. It's just not for you. It's just not for me. But yeah, super bad is my hot take as I think that is the best coming of age story in my generation. Uh what I about you? Don't think I agree with that. That's okay. It's my hot take. That's what I said. Yeah, my I don't generation. love super bad. I, you know, I'm trying to think of like what actually would be my top coming of age movie that resonates the most with me. And I don't know that there really is one so much. I, there are books that are more coming of age that like I was definitely a Are You There God? It's Me Margaret book lover. And um, Judy Bloom also has this book called Forever that, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> yeah. And, taught me a lot that one resonated a lot with me so it was definitely more things that i read as coming of age stories that did more for me than movies mm-hmm. you know like there wasn't a ladybird when we were younger that i completely i can see how that is super resonant sure. um but i yeah i don't think there really is a movie when i was growing up that did the same thing for me so i guess that's my hot take <laughs> That's it. That's all you yeah, got. I don't know that I have anything that like hot to take on this. It's like you're right. In some ways, it's just like it. It, it kind of it is. It, it washes. It goes. It washes over you, and that's fine. Yeah, I just don't think I need to see this movie like ever again in my life. <laughs> I've seen it twice now, and I I'm good. And I know people like it, and that's completely fine. Like it's it's their right to like something. I just don't like it <laughs> and so i don't know how 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 much more i can talk about it. that's just like one of the things and i struggled to find meaning in this movie but it just mm-hmm. kind of went for lack of a better term fast um fast times was, that's what it was so okay what's your letter grade for fast times at ridgemont high i don't think it's perfect i do think it has pacing issues i enjoy it and I, I really appreciate it as Amy Hartgerling's first film. Mm-hmm. I love what it led to because I'm a huge Clueless fan. I, oh, sure. Again, the abortion. I do like how it handles sex because I think that it's good to see that in a teen movie that it, it, sex is awkward and fumbly. Um, but it has its flaws. So I'm going to go B minus. Wow. Dang. Yeah, you're right. For all those for all those reasons and more. Um, I'm going D minus though. Um, I, just, uh, I just don't mean. like it. Yeah, no, I just don't like it. Um, I, I, I was like I said, I was struggling. I was trying to find things. There are some moments in there that are are done well, um, and I'm sure maybe if I rewatched it again and, and and sat down with a pen and paper and kind of thought about it, I could find more meaning. I just don't want to. That's it's like it doesn't really tickle my fancy or do anything for me. And I, yeah, it's just it's a movie that exists. <laughs> Put it that way. <laughs> So it gave us Spicoli. Um, I don't really care for him very much, but some people love him. Some people love the cool, love cool buzz and tasty waves. Or tasty buzz? No, other way He's around. Cool funny. buzz and tasty waves. He's yeah, funny. Yeah, to, to a degree. I mean, I like the, the pizza scene and stuff. And yeah, funny. But it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What are you working on and where can we find you on social media? 
What am I working on? That's just the same old, same old. Um, doing deliverables, you know. I am on all the socials at Amanda Jane Stern. How'd your other podcast go? Oh, I'm doing it tomorrow night. Oh, sweet. And what's mm-hmm. it called? It's called Horror Queers. Woo! Yeah, yeah, we're doing the picture of Dorian Gray. Oh, is that is the, that an old film? The 1945. Ah, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. which one. I we were supposed to do a movie called The Uninvited, which is from '44 and is a personal uh, fave in terms of ghost haunted house movies. But it is not streaming anywhere, mm-hmm. so they changed it to Dorian Gray, and we're like, we could move you to a different date, different movie, unless it. Or if you're also like inched to this one, I was like, guys, I have three copies of that book. I am obsessed with Dorian Gray. <laughs> is that Anne Rice? No, Who it's wrote... Oscar Wilde. Oh, I don't know. I don't. Uh... It is 1891. Oscar Wilde. It was used in the trials of Oscar Wilde in 1895. I did an entire presentation on the trials of Oscar Wilde. So I'm a very big fan. I, as I said, multiple copies of the picture of Dorian Gray. I can tell you a lot about the history of it. So I'd actually never seen the movie um, just because I knew the book is super gay. Um, the movie is too, but I knew that they had done things to heterosexualize it because it was 1945 and there was always a part of me that was just like, but I don't want that. And so I was, I was watching it. I was like, it's definitely a great movie, but I can so clearly see the things that they added to make it straight. Like they added an entire character, this like dumb woman character, mm-hmm. um, to minimize one of the central relationships of the book, which is between Dorian and this painter, Basil, who is absolutely in love with Dorian. It is explicitly written in the book. Um, But they gave him a niece who falls in love with Dorian. So he's like, oh, well, she can never know about how bad you truly are instead of it being like, this hurts me because I am so deeply in love with you. And when when the big scene where he like sees the painting – and how gruesome it's become. I was kind of like rolling my eyes like, Gladys? I don't give a shit about Gladys. I want Basil's declaration of love. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you know what it's about? Mm, sort of. Okay, so there's I know it's, I know this, it's this... about a guy, Dorian Gray, and he has a portrait. So. Okay, well, yes. So it's a, I'll do this quick. Uh, his name's Dorian Gray. He's friends with this guy, Basil, who is an artist who paints this, this portrait of him that is, Amazing. And Dorian is beautiful. And he meets, while the painting is happening, he meets Basil's friend, Henry, who is very hedonistic and says a bunch of things that then Dorian is like, oh, I wish that I would never age, that like the painting could age for me and I would stay young and beautiful forever. And then that happens. And so the older he gets, it's the painting that grows, but it's not just that, that he starts following all of Henry's like hedonistic lifestyle choices mm. to such an extreme that he starts doing horrible things, like committing crimes, horrible things. And the painting takes on all of that, so it grows more and more gruesome. The reason I thought it was Anne Rice was because uh, so Dorian Gray was in The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, a movie a long time ago that yep. came out like in, I don't know, the 90s. And then um, Stuart, uh, I think his name's like Apple, no, Stuart, something like that. Um, I can't remember his name. He plays Dorian Gray, but then he also plays in Queen of the Damned. And so that's mm-hmm. why I thought Anne Rice, and I was like, I was just getting it confused with my movies based on the actor, which is based on my character. But 
Yes. Yeah. He's so, a, a, an Oscar Wilde. It's the only book that Oscar Wilde ever wrote. Ah, there we go. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, cool, Amanda. Thank you so much. And everyone else, thank you for listening to the Don't Be Crazy podcast. Remember to follow us on Twitter, Threads, Facebook, Instagram, and I guess that's it. Um, at dbcrazypod. Uh, I also have a Twitter and all those things at ZachDale60. And you can share your thoughts, give us film suggestions, tell us if we're crazy, or just send us funny memes. Make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and leave us a five-star review if you like it. Additionally, we are also available on every other major podcast app. Thanks for listening, and until next time, don't be crazy.